Today's episode of Birds All Day is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. What's going on? Greetings and good day. Welcome back to Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we are here talking in and around your Toronto Blue Jays. Nothing new. Nothing's changed. It is uh, still, the season is not yet begun. The season now may in fact hang in doubt, as in places like California, they're saying maybe no sports no public uh, spectator sports until 2021. I, I heard a stat that 17% of all big league games are played in California, which uh, that doesn't bode well. But you know what does bode well for this being a good show? There's one thing that bodes well for this being a good show, and that is when I am joined uh, by the person who joins me usually. And in fact, he joins me as always. Uh, old Reliable. Old Reliable, Mr. Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm good. I'm ready to. <laughs> I'm ready for that to change, but I'm doing okay right now. Shit is about to get gloomy around here. So there's not a lot of real news about baseball. News came today that Domiso Garcia, former Blue Jay, the the guy famous for burning his shirt, which is wild. I was trying to explain to my kids. They're like, "Why did he do that?" I'm like, "Well, you see, sometimes your luck's just bad, and then <laughs> I don't know." Sucks. It's only 63. Domiso Garcia. The, I didn't see a cause of death, but he was someone who had um, was a cancer survivor or had a brain tumor like 30 years ago. It might might have been right at the end of his career. So uh, thoughts go out to uh, to the to the Garcia family. Um, I'm sure a lot of people don't have sh- strong memories of Domiso Garcia. He's a good player. Made the All Star team a couple times. Silver Slugger. But uh, I think that uh, the whole shirt burning thing probably looms a little larger for those who do uh, think of him. Uh, what else yeah, is going on, Stoughton? That's, uh, I oh, was going to say, well, but also, but that's too bad, I think, too. And I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, saw, right. I saw Richard Griffin tweet about that, uh, you know, because he went to the Expos eventually uh, uh, after his time in Toronto, and then Griff was mm-hmm. the PR guy there. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but Griff was the Expos uh, PR guy at one point, and now, now, now the Blue Jays PR guy. Uh, but no, he said that you know he didn't really know him and, and knew that reputation, and said that he was. A great was a leader in the clubhouse and was you know everything you wanted in a veteran and was a guy who you know a lot of the the Latin American players uh, who were younger uh, could look up to and that he you know he was just completely different than what uh, what maybe that reputation was and and you know even in all in those in those days uh, re- reputations it, it's I, I don't know the people it it was easier for. A, a man, a man like Domaso Garcia or George Bell to get uh, to get that kind of a reputation, perhaps than you know a Cal Ripken or uh, or the good faced American guys. I get, uh, I get where you're going with this, and I, I yeah, cannot so, argue. I cannot disagree. Yeah, so so it's something to be considered with that too, and and, and yeah, a guy, I you know I don't remember the early part of his career, but was was a a real important Blue Jay on those teams that sort of you know coalesced around. Uh, you know the first core, the '85, '87, '89 core that that you know gave way to uh, you know the real good times. We had a good time here in this city, uh, baseball wise. I mean Peterborough, where I am, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing about Domso Garcia uh, is when you go back and look at those stats, he had a great year, 1982. I just saw in his Baseball Reference, 1985 is the one that I remember. That was like kind of my earliest memories of baseball and. And as I probably mentioned before, reading that like Toronto Star book that they put out, the Drive of '85, all about the team that won that yeah. won that division. Uh, Domiso Garcia made the All Star team in 1985, and let me tell you, his numbers don't jump off the page. So, <laughs> <laughs> because it was a different time, you yeah. know, it was just a different time. So, uh, but again, biggest thing is uh, is is just uh, yeah, it's tough, and hopefully, uh, his family, uh, wherever they are, if they are in the Dominican Republic or or around the world, uh, thoughts are with them. Now. 
I should say, before we get any further, this week we're excited to talk to Jay Jaffe. We talked to him about um, what missing chunks or entire uh, the entire the potential of missing the entire season could mean for the, the Hall of Fame candidacy of some players, Blue Jays' favorites included. And we talked to him about Jackie Robinson Day, which is the day today, Wednesday, that we're actually recording this one a little bit early this week. So hang on. Stick around for that. You're going to want to listen to Jay of Fangraphs and, uh, and who also does some work for ESPN as well. Always great to talk to Jay Jaffe. You've been talking to him on podcasts for a long time. He's a great guy. We have, I did some pitch talks with him as well. Got a great mustache. And uh, he and Emma Spann, who's a managing editor of, uh, of The Athletic on the baseball side, you know, so it's all in the family, right? Sure is. Yeah, no. I you, was, you, uh, I, the, the piece I, I did this week on Maple Leaf Stadium was uh, – I worked with Emma quite closely on that. That's awesome. So, yeah, hang on. We're going to talk to Jay. When we were talking to Jay, which we've already done – I thought about what we were going to talk about in this part. And because the thing that we're going to talk about is something I 100% don't want to talk about. Uh, It doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. and doesn't mean that we won't. But I really don't want to talk about it at the best of times. But to talk about it now seems like piling on. Like it's like, but fact of the matter is there was some uh, unsettling news uh, that was revealed by the, uh, what's it? The National Transportation Safety Board regarding the plane crash that killed Roy Halladay. And I think a lot of it has to do with the toxicology report that suggested that Roy Halliday was flying in a reckless manner, um, in, uh, as well as the toxicology revealed that he had very high levels of like a, of several different like a cocktail of drugs in his system. Which uh, I don't even know. Like it's it's really similar to the Jose Fernandez thing. Like it doesn't it doesn't take away from the tragedy, but like having all this time pass and having this stuff be revealed, I just don't know. I, I don't know what to think. I, it's just it's just such a shitty thing to have revealed, and that was a shitty thing that we have to talk about, and it was a shitty thing to do. But at the same time, it's like that doesn't. I don't know. It it's, it's it fucking sucks. That's all I can say. It no, absolutely. It you know the uh, I don't know if you must probably follow you and Ross uh, on on Twitter, a, a Blue Jays Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, guy, uh, and he retweeted it and said, "You know, it's tough, but people need to learn about this because he, I think he rightly says it's, you know, it's an exa- a classic example of the opiate crisis uh, that's been so troubling for you know everywhere, not just the states and here, and and that even famous athletes, you know, were unable to escape it, and and uh, you know, there's a whole lot of addiction." issues wrapped up in this you know there there's there talk there's a mention of marital problems at some point where you know yeah that's that's a thing that'll happen uh it, when you know somebody's in this in this you know horrible situation and and, and I, you know i don't know i i'm with you it's it's all stuff that that i you know i i didn't want to hear i didn't need to hear i i uh uh you know, from some of the things we'd heard from, like the the SI piece or whatever that that came out a few months ago, uh, you know, you can kind of just assume a lot of these things. But it's also it's it's sad and it's it's tragic and it's it does it does pile on. Uh, you know that there's diff, you know, uh, a rift still between his you know his wife and his his family. Uh, and uh, and and you know, it's just it's tough. It is. I, I think the the uh, the addiction piece, the opioid piece, and the 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 kind of associated kind of mental health piece that goes along with it. It's it's in some ways it might be there's power in having these kinds of conversations where someone who was as, is held up as this paragon of virtue, this you know this clean living, hardworking, super determined, you know, exemplar of success and and just. And what it means to go and do a job and be at the top of your game and what he meant and what his persona, uh, what it meant and what is the role that he played in as a, as a baseball player, um, that there's a person behind that and the pain that, that is physical, the pain that is mental and all that sort of stuff that, that just sort of adds up. And then one thing leads to another. And then the next thing, you know, this is, this is where you are, where there was talk about him being in an inpatient rehab uh, uh, a program and it's just like you know, a you don't know that because there's no one around to ask at the end of a, of a, end of a guy's baseball career and it, you know show things like what we do or want to call him up and if we want to talk about the old days maybe you'll get Roy Halladay on the phone to talk about baseball or whatever or, or a Roy Halladay equivalent but 
there's just uh it's just tough there's no you can't run from it doesn't matter how tall or how strong or how rich or how uh loved beloved you are doesn't matter if you're going if you get elected on the first ballot to the hall of fame or if you're if your baseball career finished in high school whatever it might be uh you know life is real and life is all around us and it comes at at you uh real fast and it's just um i don't know it's just this is not that it doesn't feel like the right time to talk about, but it's it's news, right? Like, so here we are. We're, we'll talk about it, but I don't want to dwell on it, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like um, like I have any answers or any great insight into what any of this means, other than like I don't I don't feel I don't feel let down by the person that I or may have held Roy Halliday up to be, or the lessons that any young person, old person can take from um, the things that combined to make him a great and and respected and uh, baseball player but uh you know again I, it's a, it was it's it's fortunate that that there wasn't anyone else that was that was hurt or harmed in this in this crash when he was uh when this when this was all going on but at the same time it's still uh it's still a tragedy and it's like a, again it's a much bigger issue than sports it's a much bigger issue than than two fucking grab asses like you and I should be have any business talking about but uh it it is something that uh that it's it's just we got to get it out there, I guess. Yeah, it's news. It's it 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 it, it sucks. That's sort of that's sort of part of the job. We can't pretend it is. It's not out there and not the thing that's being talked about. Or you know, it's a it is a it is a trending topic for me right now. And it's just like fuck. Uh, you know, I guess there we are. But and, and it's also you know these are sort of preliminary reports, and this is all there, there is. Uh, uh, AJ Perez. Uh, who used to be with USA Today? He's a freelance writer who's like a, an investigative reporter. Uh, we published a bunch of these, a bunch of screenshots of it. That's what I retweeted. If anybody saw that uh, on mm-hmm. Wednesday, uh, and I, I think he importantly, you know, pointed out some context about you know whether uh, you know the way that some of the toxification levels can be skewed based on you know where blood is drawn from, and, mm-hmm. and you know that there is still a more you know formal final report that's coming and also that that's probably going to leave a lot of un- uh, you know unanswered questions as well um and you know it's uh it's i guess we'll just we'll see we'll see where that goes but it's it's just it's such a sad situation and it's just the, you hate to uh you hate to have the uh, you know cherished memories of uh uh of such a great figure and uh you know to have anything to do with any of this sort of stuff but but that is that is uh, that is reality. That's what you know. That's what humanity is. So there's not really any good way to like segue out of such a somber and kind of heavy conversation as this one we had about Roy Halladay. So I'm not even going to bother trying. Why don't we take a break here? We'll come back. We're going to talk to Jay Jaffe, who, as we mentioned before, is senior writer at Fangraphs author of the Cooperstown casebook and uh, a, a great uh, baseball guy. So take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Jay Jaffe. And then after that, even more birds all day. All right. Before we talk to Jay Jaffe, I want to talk to you about the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes every groom deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or tuxedo for their big day. Did you know the Black Tux was actually started by two guys who had one of the worst tuxedo fittings you could imagine? It turns out they aren't alone in this frustration. Just listen to these one-star reviews from competitor tux shops that shall not be named. Go elsewhere. This place is pretty terrible, unless you're dressing like your grandpa for Halloween. We felt weird buying a suit from somebody so unhappy. We were afraid his bad vibes might follow us to our wedding day, so we left. What I like about the Black Tux is that they have an easy online ordering process that brings your suit or tuxedo straight to you. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com and request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. And if online isn't your style, the Black Tux has showrooms all over the country where you can find your fit and plan your look. From there, they'll ship your order two weeks before your wedding so you can check it out one last time. Talk about commitment. Whether you're buying your outfit or looking to rent, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. If you want your wedding to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with the code JAYS. That's theblacktux.com, code JAYS, for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. All right, as I mentioned before, it is our pleasure at this time to be joined by Fangraph's senior writer and Baseball Hall of Fame 
expert, Jay Jaffe. Jay, happy uh, Jackie Robinson Day, and thank you for taking the time to join us. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here talking to you guys. Absolutely. And I, I wish that we could be talking about the season in full swing, and we could be talking about insane sample size things, but instead, we're facing <laughs> down the possibility of having uh, potentially no season at all. And one of the reasons, something you've uh, written about recently and has something that I think is uh, is very interesting to talk about is what the ramifications are of either a, half, like a shortened season or missing an entire season are for the Hall of Fame chances of some players, maybe guys who are at the kind of the tail end of their career, tail end of their peak. Uh, what could that mean? And uh, there was one name that jumps to my mind, of course, which is Josh Donaldson, you know, very beloved here with Blue Jays fans and a guy who has put together quite an impressive peak, but is, of course, getting a little bit old. So, I don't know, what do you think about uh, about the impl- implications of missing a uh, whole or, or parts of a full season? Yeah, you know, this was something that was on my mind, uh, really, as we watched uh, all of this unfold, because in late January, I'd actually done something uh, at for, for the uh, ESPN uh, Plus platform behind the paywall about players for whom this year is a pivotal season for their Hall of Fame cases. Um, as it turns out, uh, a lot of those same players are players that surfaced in this recent series. And people started asking me in late March when uh, the season first got delayed, you know, what this could mean for this guy or that guy. And mostly they were talking about, you know, uh, you know, a two month outage or, you know, half a season outage or what that would mean. And now, obviously, we're looking at, uh, um, you know, a, a non-zero chance that, that we could lose the entire season here. Uh, so it's something that's been on my mind. And it's something I, you know, rather than just go off uh, half cocked. Um, I decided to do some research and look back on um, two other sets of outages first uh, to see if I could maybe get uh, provide a historical perspective. Uh, one being uh, the players who missed time in the mil- uh, due, due to military service in World War II and Korea, uh, and the other the players who missed time uh, due to strike shortened seasons in 1981, 94, and 95. Um, along the way, while I was doing that. Uh, Baseball reference changed its version of wins above replacement. And the one guy who took it on the chin the most uh, among active players was Josh Donaldson, who lost 3.8 war uh, due to the way that defensive runs saved is now is now uh, calculated uh, with uh, runs attributable to defensive shifts being attributed at the team level rather than the individual level. So already Donaldson uh, really got 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 a bit hosed there. Um uh, my measurements show that uh, uh, despite his late start, he had put together the equivalent of um, a uh, uh, of a Hall of Fame caliber seven year peak, uh, you know, equivalent to that of the average Hall of, Hall of Fame third baseman. Uh, and now he's been knocked down uh, about two and a half wins below that peak. Um, so that that hurt him. And then you know when you consider this is a guy who didn't play. Uh, or didn't have his first uh, season of even like 300 plate appearances until age 27 uh, and who lost a year, uh, the equivalent of a year in 2017, 2018 due to uh, uh, due to various injuries. Um, you know, this is this is just compressing his, uh, you know, his his career and uh, um, really throwing a roadblock in his chances uh uh, yet again, and I think he stands to be about as impacted as 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 anybody, uh, as any player, because you know we're talking about a 34 year old guy um, who only has a thousand and forty eight career hits, and and the reason I point the, the hit total out is because uh, I discovered what's called the rule of two thousand, uh, which is that no player with fewer than two thousand hits has been elected uh, if that career if their career took place. Uh, after the post-1960 expansion era. And you can draw up a list of some great players uh, like Dick Allen and Minnie Minoso and, and Tony Oliva, um, Bobby Gritch, who've all fallen on the wrong side of uh, 2000 and not gotten in. My fear, uh, Chase Utley's another one. Um, my fear is that uh, Donaldson now is probably uh, unlikely to get to uh, 2000 hits, um, essentially unless he keeps producing as he did at his peak uh, until about age forty, so uh, so that's a that's a that's a tough uh, a tough battle for him. It is that that's something that uh, it's a lot to ask, especially after a guy who's battled injuries as much as he has. Expecting him yeah. to be healthy and productive all the way to forty is, is a lot to ask. Now that of course doesn't take away from the fact that he he was a, a Hall of Fame caliber player, as you said. Uh, another guy that you mentioned that I'm a little surprised to see, which is Joey Votto. So Joey Votto is is. Definitely the guy who might lack some of the counting stats. Uh, but I think on this show, we are obligated to speak of 
of mm-hmm. uh, essentially, <laughs> essentially Blue Jay Joey Votto, uh, Blue Jay, yeah, spiritual Blue Jay Joey Votto. But uh, I, I don't know. He's such a good hitter on a rate on a rate basis. It'd be hard, I, and also because I'm a huge homer, it's hard for me to imagine him not getting in. But I don't know. You 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 know, like that rule of two thousand, those counting stats, they do uh, hold a lot of sway. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think for Votto, it's a little bit overblown. Um, he's he's still short of two thousand hits. He's at eighteen hundred and sixty six. Um, but he signed through twenty twenty three. He'll get there. It's just you know this is this is going to prevent him from getting. Uh, I think closer to twenty five hundred hits, which I think would would sort of uh, um, you know remove uh, any excuse that a that a voter might have. I mean, then again, you know, I say that, and at the same time, you can look at Jeff Bagwell and Frank Thomas. Uh, as recent example, uh, and Jim Tomey as recent examples of guys who got in with fewer than 2,500 hits uh, among first basemen. But, you know, for Votto doesn't have their power numbers. He doesn't, he's not going to be a 400 or, or 500 homer guy. Um, you know, both Votto and Donaldson, one thing they have in common is they're drawing like 100 walks a year. And, and you know, while that's great for the on base percentages and it really does drive the value. Um, hits are such a basic counting stat in, in all of this that I think that, you know, they, like I said, they really do frame a case, but I'm less worried about Votto from that standpoint. He's another guy. He's well above the uh, uh, the the uh, seven year peak average uh, for the for for Hall of Fame first baseman. Uh, I believe, if I if I'm not mistaken, he's got the ninth highest peak all time among uh, first basemen, and uh, the same is true for his for his uh, 150 OPS plus. Uh, really impressive numbers. I think he's going to be fine, but this just slows him down a little bit uh, if, if there's an outage. Uh, the one, uh, not a Blue Jay name, but the name that I thought of almost immediately, and you mentioned here, Zach Greinke. Um, I, th- I feel like, you know, as I'm sure most people would agree that Zach Greinke is, is, feels like a Hall of Famer when you, when you really think about it. But again, those, the lack of counting stats is just going to be, it's going to be one of the things that, that people like yourself, who obviously are, are an authority on the matter, are going to help, have to help to like socialize these ideas that it's not going to be like it used to be. Yeah, Granky's a guy who I think is really among pitchers uh, is is in a bit of a, a precarious position. He in that in that same update that Baseball Reference issued, he lost uh, uh, about a full win uh, and gave up the uh, the Jaws lead among the active pitchers to his teammate Justin Verlander, who gained about a full win. Um, you know, he looked like he was almost exactly two years away from getting that three thousand strikeout, which you know, Granky's. At least in the latter day form, I mean, he's not an overpowering pitcher. Um, we don't think of him in the same way we do Verlander, you know, missing uh, uh, you know a ton of bats. But uh, uh, he needed about 180 strikeouts a year in each of the next two seasons, and and even with you know a partial season this year, now that knocks him into uh, a third season and uh, into a new contract because his 206 million dollar deal will will have expired then, which means you know in all likelihood, a change of scenery, uh, a point of uh, uh, reflection as to whether he wants to keep doing this with which with Granky, given his, at least his, his public persona, is, I think, a little bit more unpredictable than, uh, than your average bear. Um, he has passed 200 wins. He does have the one, the one Cy Young Award. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's still kind of try, you know, trying for that elusive championship. He came very close this past year. Um you know, but but uh, uh, he doesn't have quite as full a resume as as a Justin Verlander or uh, um, you know even a Kershaw or Max Scherzer, all of whom uh, uh, have now have multiple Cy Young awards. The thing with Greinke, I think that might hurt him is that it's hard to think of a time when you could say that he was definitely the best pitcher in baseball. You know, the the Cy Young year was yes, you could say that, but I think since that time, there's always somebody who's kind of been a little bit higher. Um, now, well, that's you know, it's 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 big for for these older players who are kind of looking to to really uh, cement their case. What about the younger guys? Uh, I so, mean, oh, sorry, go like, ahead. <laughs> so I was going to say, though, this is kind of tongue in cheek, but also like players like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette, who maybe it's it's uh, it might be a little early to talk about their Hall of Fame candidacy, <laughs> but like. But the <laughs> the ability to kind of like put up big numbers at young ages, and when we start to use, you know, as we love to compare, you know, this right. look what he's produced through age twenty one compared to what these other guys could produce age at age twenty one and twenty two. They're all well on their way. Now there's going to be a bit of a hole in that. 
Yeah, there's no doubt that that the young guys are, or you know and guys in their prime are are also hurt by this. But you know, I, the way I looked at this is, look, I think we can say that anybody who's missing a season, who's a really good baseball player, is 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 suffering a blow. It it just it utterly sucks. Whether you're you know Vlad Guerrero or you're Garrett Cole or you know or you're uh, Joey Votto or Josh Donaldson. This sucks, um, especially if it's a, if it's a full season. But the, the I chose to focus on these older guys because they're running out of time. It would suck if Mookie Betts or or, or Vlad Guerrero or Bo Bichette loses a year. Um, but until those guys have about have five or six seasons in the bank that look like quote unquote Hall of Fame caliber seasons, um, you know, which in my mind are are seasons of you know at least five wins above replacement uh, and maybe more. Uh, generally, you're going to need more than that if you're going to clear the the, uh, the seven year peak average at your position. Um, until you've got a bunch of those uh, stacked up next to each other, there's really no lamenting. There's no real. There's no <laughs> real nothing to be gained by lamenting uh, the loss of a season. If you know, if uh, let's just say Vlad, if Vlad has six good years, but but looks like he's one good year short. Yeah, I think we'll remember that if 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 the uh, 2020 season never materializes and and we'll adjust accordingly. You know, one of the big things I found in the difference between uh, the uh, the World War the, the World War guys or just the war guys because uh, uh, the Korean War was also was also part of this and the strike guys is that you know the strike guys were more uh, seemed to suffer more when it came to the milestones. Um, you know, the round numbers, three thousand hits. Uh, we saw Harold Baines get in. Uh, a couple of years ago, fairly controversially, uh, under what was more or less an assumption that he would have gotten to 3,000 hits had he not missed time in those three seasons due to strikes. Um, I think we're about to see it for Fred McGriff uh, on the 2022 Today's Game ballot because he fell seven homers short and missed time in 1994 and 95. Um, you'll see accounting for that when it comes to those round number milestones, because people, you know, people can do the math. Um, they could, they could figure out, oh yeah, if he'd had another 162 more games uh, or, or, or whatever, that he would have, you know, probably gotten this much closer to that number. Uh, whereas the, the World War II guys, it's more like they got, they've already been picked over from an electoral standpoint because they've had so many more chances on veterans committee ballots and even uh, on the writers ballots before that, that mm-hmm. every border, just about every borderline guy is in. Uh, people have not had to fret the same way about the milestones. It's and they've kind of the voters have kind of awarded a bonus, uh, you know, for for serving your country, which I think is is is, is reasonable. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think if 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 we find uh, uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. falling short of of uh, two thousand hits or or five hundred home runs or whatever it is, you know, if if he does indeed put together that kind of career, that kind of stuff will be forgiven. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about it too much, but he's got to he's got to make some serious tracks towards the Hall of Fame for that to matter. I think uh, you know the fact that the the World War II guys were you know riding around in Sherman tanks and di- digging, digging ditches as to play as opposed to playing the show and like just trying to kill time. Like, <laughs> yeah. these guys, that's got to be factored into the way they come out of this. It, uh, it, this it certainly well. does, and I think that's that's certainly one reason. You know, one one way that I think voters you know gave a lot of those guys the benefit of the doubt um and and rewarded them you know because they're you know some of these guys missed not one but three seasons i mean you know you think of the numbers that ted williams could have put up he missed three seasons because of world war ii and most of two others because of the korean war who's the only uh, uh hall of famer to serve in both and uh, uh you've got three years missing from joe dimaggio um you know, Warren Spawn. I mean, just some of these guys could have put up astronomical numbers. Um, and instead, yeah, they were fighting the Battle of the Bulge or, you know, or, or whatever. And, uh, um, you know, Yogi Berra was at, was a Normandy beach. I mean, Jesus, that's, that's, that's nothing compared yeah. to getting a blister on your thumb playing the show. <laughs> My postmates order was like three hours late. This is an, this is an yeah. absolute outrage. Who's, who, who suffered more? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now let's talk about, uh, one more thing. As, uh, as I mentioned off the top, this is, uh, uh Jackie Robinson day when we're recording this and you had a lovely piece about, uh, about passing on the legacy of, of Jackie Robinson to, to your own kids and to a generation of kids right there in Brooklyn where Jackie, of course, made his, uh, his famous debut. Uh, I don't know if you want to if you want to kind of just recap sure. what what that meant to you and and how and how you're able to share that with your with your daughter. 
Sure. Um, so I live in downtown Brooklyn, uh, and I have since 2007. Uh, moved there after about uh, 13 years in, in, in Manhattan. Um, and when I first looked at this apartment uh, that I currently live in, uh, I discovered that it was very close to the Dodgers old business office and that there's a plaque um, you know, commemorating the signing of Jackie Robinson in August uh, 1945 uh, on the wall of this uh, outer wall of this bank. Uh, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm home. You know, this is uh, this is a sign from above. Uh, you know that I that, that, that this is the place for me. I'm I'm a I grew up a third generation Dodger fan. My my grandfather, uh, uh, you know, lived in Brooklyn, and uh, um, uh, so moving here and with Jackie Robinson Day becoming a thing and uh, increasing, uh, I guess it started two thousand four. I've kind of taken it upon myself to. Uh, make an annual practice of of writing about Robinson, trying to discover something new about him every year. Uh, whether I was at Baseball Prospectus or Sports Illustrated or Fangraphs, I had some good editors who kind of spurred me on for that, especially uh, Ted Keith at Sports Illustrated. And so it's just it's an an annual ritual for me to write about Jackie Robinson. And this year, you know, it, it felt sort of odd to write about him. And I, I had a, I had a kind of a hot take in mind about just the my frustrations with seeing, you know, the the, fall, the declining rates of uh, uh, participation by African-Americans and all the stuff that's happening with regards to the minor leagues and the draft, uh, some of which is going to be um, in- accelerated by the, uh, the, the pandemic here. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to write about this, but I am going to try to teach my, my three-year-old daughter, three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, something about Jackie Robinson this year because she's old enough to understand. She already has a Jackie Robinson jersey. At her, she's on her second one. Um, you know, and she's 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 taken to baseball a little bit. We play catch in the park, which basically involves a, a foam ball and me kind of almost dropping the ball <laughs> into her glove. But mm-hmm. you know, it's all about just making sure she has positive associations with baseball because both of her parents are in baseball media. Uh, my wife Emma Span is uh, the managing editor of the uh, national uh, site for the Athletic, as you as you guys know, but your listeners may not. Um, and so, you know, today I, I read to her a couple of uh, uh, short uh, uh, books about Jackie and, you know, tr- explained a little bit to her. And recently we had uh, done a presentation at her school about baseball as part of this family traditions thing. And it happened, uh, you know, during during February, which is Black History Month, of course. And the kids had just done a unit on uh, or a study on uh uh, civil rights leaders. They'd learned a little song about Martin Luther King. They had a picture of Rosa Parks on the wall. And the teacher was, you know, really impressed by what we had to say about Jackie and put a picture of, of Jackie on the wall of her preschool uh, class. Um, and so it was a te- it became a teachable moment there. And so I just decided to, to further that. I was going to read to her about Jackie Robinson and I was going to take her to the plaque. Well, the plaque is five minutes away. Uh, maybe 10 minutes if you're pushing a stroller. Uh, and I could see as soon as we got there that it was gone. And mm. I was like, holy crap, what happened here? Um, and I did some quick research, some quick Googling and discovered that uh, sometime in late December or early January, uh, the plaque got taken down for repairs. Uh, wear and tear, I believe it was dedicated in uh, uh, the early 2000s or maybe late 90s. Um uh, and actually, uh, uh, the the um, the text of it was written by the father of uh, Jesse Spector, a uh, uh, sports writer who some of you guys may know. But uh, mm-hmm. um, the uh, uh, I was just bummed that I couldn't that I couldn't see you know show her the plaque. She's seen it before. Uh, I photographed her before, uh, but I wanted to do a photograph today to sort of commemorate the occasion and just tell her a little bit more and and. You know, so that was a little bit of a bummer, but uh, uh, it did give you enough enough fuel to uh, uh, to write <laughs> about this moment and and uh, uh, to do what uh, I guess was my little tribute to it and uh, to you know passing on the um, uh, the story of Jackie to a new generation because I think it's something. I mean, her name is Robin, and you know that's not a coincidence that uh, mm. um, you know that that uh, she is named in in, in part for. You know, for Jackie, uh, we thought Jackie Jackie as a name would be a little bit too on the nose. Um, but uh, <laughs> Emma's Emma's suggestion was Robin, and I loved it. I was like, "Holy, this is perfect!" Um, so you know, we will make this is going to be an annual thing. That name's not going anywhere. Um, but uh, we we kind of uh, uh, made the best of a bad situation today, and and hopefully next year uh, we'll we'll get a chance to uh, impart the lesson a little bit more deeply.
That's awesome. That's super cool. I mean, we spend a lot of time here with with baseball, kind of what we joke about remembering some guys. But it's a, it's awesome to see uh, really pos- positive and also powerful uh, uh, baseball memories and baseball remembrance being used and passed on to to a whole new generation. Jay, we don't want to take too any much more. Uh, sorry, we don't want to take too much more of your time. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, where can the people follow and find your work? Other than I already said, Fangraphs, but. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm writing more or less daily at fangraphs.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at jay underscore, uh, jaffe. Uh, if you want to follow my beer selections, you can find me on Untapped using the same thing. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, occasionally publishing cute photos of my daughter, the same, the same, uh, handle. So I'm not hard to find. And I also have a book about my Hall of Fame stuff, uh, called the Cooperstown Casebook. Um, if you uh, if you buy a copy right now uh, and you send me a screenshot of uh, uh, of the receipt, I can send you a book plate. Um, we have a, a program here with a, a store called Greenlight Books uh, uh, in Brooklyn that I, I would go and sign a copy under normal circumstances and personalize it. We can't write can't really do that right now. Um, but if you if you get in touch with me after buying a book, I will send you a book plate and a baseball card bookmark uh, custom made for uh, uh, the book. So. Uh, we're doing that. Uh, it's called the Cooperstown Casebook from Thomas Dunn Publishers, and uh, um, yeah, I'm I'm out there. Awesome, that's great. That's a that's a great sales pitch for the book right there. I don't know, you're uh, you know, this is not your first time. This is, this is a slick operator we got going on. <laughs> All right, everybody. Again, Jay, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. All right, sure thing, guys. Be safe. All right, thanks again. To Jay Jaffe for taking the time uh, to talk to us. We talked a little bit at the beginning about Roy Halladay. And as we mentioned before, like just a, a really heavy, difficult conversation. But I think that it, it that what we can do, um, as we have been doing in this really weird limbo time, is let us try to reflect about the things that that make us have these conflicting these conflicting feelings and thing that made us uh, consider Roy Halladay in the way that we have for all the years that we have. And that's, of course, his uh, production on the field. And he is, in fact, you know, one of the, if not the greatest, you know, player that to ever wear the uniform, the greatest player among the one or two or three greatest players to ever have been developed to the organization. So what I think we should do is steal something I've seen a few other podcasts, even here on The Athletic do, and that is we're going to draft the greatest Blue Jay seasons of all time, the greatest individual Blue Jay seasons. Uh, I think uh, a feature that could if we let it feature a handful of some of Roy Halladay's great seasons and great accomplishments on the field. So let's do that. Let's, let's do that. And I'm, I'm going to give you the first pick. So you get to pick the first, I, I got, I've even got a little spreadsheet up and then I'm going to keep track of the ones we've picked. You're giving me the first pick. Unless you don't want it, unless you're going to, you can, you can. No, I no, I do. I do want it. I do want it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the well the thing about well the thing about it this is uh, because I'm of course cheating and looking at, mm-hmm. at some leaderboards here. It, it's it's amazing to see the top ten pitching seasons by WAR are eight Roy Hallidays and one uh, David Wells, one AJ Burnett, which is uh, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, but you know. You know, I'm, I'm a, I've been, it's been said before that I, I'm an offensive person. Uh, so I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm going to go a different way. Uh, and I feel like I'm going to go with 2011 Jose Bautista, the year that he like went bonkers with the doubles where everyone was all excited about, oh yes, he's not just swinging for the fence every, every good bat, mm-hmm. uh, an eight, an eight win season. Uh, not the best among the Blue Jays position players, but uh, as you will hear us speak uh, speak with Jay Jaffe about in a little bit, uh, the one above him is now tarnished. Now tarnished on the <laughs> Baseball Reference page by uh, uh, by a change in calculation to uh, defensive runs saved. So, uh, 2011 Bautista. All right, that's a good one. It's hard to argue this. That was the year, especially in the first half, where like his on base percentage was close to like 500 for for much of the year. Oh, um, finished at 447 is what I'm Which is still pretty here, good. So it's not bad. A good pick. Uh, sadly wrong, unfortunately, because Fair. the only yeah, one no. to take first is 2015 Josh Donaldson. Um, not only because he was very good, but because of what it uh, added up to. Because he was part of that great, great 
Blue Jays team that uh, would have won the World Series had they held it that season. A real shame. But uh, so, yeah, I have selected Josh Donaldson's 2015 season as my next pick. So I'm going to send it back to you. Okay. All right. I am taking 2016 uh, Josh Donaldson, which uh, by baseball Mm. references metric, the better Josh Donaldson season and also a season in which they should have won the World Series. They did hold the World Series that year, though, because they lost to fucking Cleveland. That was... uh, that was just terrible. That was, uh, but the, the team didn't have the same magic. I think everybody kind of agrees, mm-hmm. uh, even though uh, many of the same players were there. It just it wasn't the same as that first run. You know, forget your first. It definitely wasn't the same as that first run. And I don't remember at what point in that season against series against Cleveland, but it was very early that it was just like, oh, oh no, this is not happening. This is not. They are not going to win this yeah, series. Yeah, uh, great. It did not take long. Okay, so you've you've selected. The 2016 Josh Donaldson season. I, th- I think yeah. we should maybe aim for for uh, for. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how we do. We'll see how, how into the dregs we get and how quickly. Yeah, we'll see how long this takes us to get like <laughs> six names deep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take. In fact, I I am going to take 2000 and. Uh, I'll, I'll you know what I'll take 2003 Roy Halladay. That's an easy one for me. Yeah, Cy Young won a bunch of games, seven wins. That was like the this was like the Roy Halladay season. So that's that's my choice. That's fair. I I however will will uh, will also take a Roy Halladay season, which would be two thousand nine, his mm. final year, mm-hmm. uh, when he you know he spent the time being like oh, I'm just going to pitch to contact and then do sweet contact, and then was like no, better start striking guys out more. So he struck out a, a, a batter per inning more. In 2009 to 2003, didn't pitch, didn't get to 266 innings like he did in 2003. <laughs> uh, but also had a two, 279 ERA, 306 FIP, better in both regards, though slightly less war. Uh, so I'm going with 2009. A good pick. A good pick indeed. I am going to go back Now to... I have to look up who won the fucking 2009 Cy Young, because that's a real good holiday season. Uh, 2009, that was, that was Granky, wasn't it? It's a good was guess. That, that <laughs> I mean, I remember that 2009 is a year that exists and it's vaguely some things that, <laughs> that, that, that happened around, you know, in any one of the three or four years in that area, but I don't know what, what happened in any particular. Uh, while you look that up, I'm going to make my selection, <laughs> which is 2010 Jose Bautista. So on a like straight production value, not quite as high, but that was. 50 home run, fuck the world, Jose Bautista, that was born that year. So uh, I'm all about that. That's my You are pick. correct that it was uh, Zach Granke that year. Nice. And yeah, he was insanely good. Um, well, I think that's fair that he won it. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, 2010, 2010 Bautista, I, I, I like it. I like it quite a lot. Uh, I am going to go with uh, back to the offensive side of things to 2000 Carlos Delgado. No, that's that a is good one. Carlos, that's Carlos, hard to Delgado, argue with. <laughs> Carlos Delgado just just gets destroyed for having absolutely no defensive value, uh, and still managed to put up a seven and a half win season uh, because he could hit the goddamn ball. Hit three forty four average that year. Back yeah, the one seventy nine weighted runs created plus. That's pretty good. This was the year that he did <laughs> but also, not. That's a that, but that's in 2002, right? I mean, that's like league and league adjusted. Like his, his slugging percentage no, is 64. Like it's fucked. That's like an 1100 OPS. <laughs> uh, and that was year he lost the MVP to Alex uh, Rodriguez that year when Rodriguez was yes. on like the was uh, last place, right? That was the yes, I his last so, year in yeah, Seattle, no I Rangers. believe. No, Texas. Was he not in Texas? That was either? Texas? No, oh, either way. Oh, whatever. No, uh, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Because then he left and then they won all those games with Ichiro. Yes, um, that's right. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going insanely off the board here. All right. I I don't know that I uh, that I stipulated that we need to have like a like a team or that we uh, we basically there's no rules. But uh, as such, right. I'm going to go way off the board and take 2006 BJ Ryan. I want to have Very a bullpen nice. and I want a non problematic <laughs> pick. So BJ Ryan is my guy. Okay. All right. I know what my non problematic bullpen pick will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I, I feel I can save it unless you're loading up, unless you're uh, unless you're the 1990 Cincinnati Reds here. You don't you don't need four closers. Uh, I am going to go with uh, uh, maybe maybe the one good 
catching year that the Blue Jays had for 20 years, which is 2015 Russell Martin. Behind That's him. a good pick. There's yeah. a lot to like there. <laughs> yeah, we, I think that doesn't really need to be justified. <laughs> All right, I'll write that down. <laughs> I mean, you know, with due respect to J.P. Arancibia and Greg Zahn and Benji Molina. And Luckily. Rod Barajas. Uh, <laughs> you stole my pick. You, you staked my Rod Barajas pick. <laughs> uh, luckily, we don't have to. We're not going to draft a whole team, so we don't have to worry about. Uh, I'm just might blow through the idea of uh, of uh, of drafting a catcher. Um, I'm I'm trying to get wild with it here a little bit. Actually, uh, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take my team is going to be bad, but I don't even care. And that's what I'm going to take. 2008 AJ Burnett, an absolute freak. Very nice. Uh, netted himself a lovely like eighty million dollar contract. He took the ball like crazy. That was this was the year that AJ Burnett was healthy, and also he was ready to opt out and get and sign for a lot of money. So I, I remember him pitching on short rest, like pitching the first day, you know, pitching the last game before the All Star break, pitching the first game back out of the All Star break uh, because I think that uh, that Roy Halladay was hurt at that time or something like that. But uh, yeah, and he was really good too. He was really good. He pitched ten innings, two hundred twenty innings for AJ Burnett, which is nothing short of a miracle. So I got AJ Burnett. Okay, that's good. I am. I mean, if you want to get wild, I'm going to get wild, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm going to go with the one good Reed Johnson year of 2006, the one that made him a folk hero of sorts, the one that made everybody so mad when the Jays uh, got rid of him to bring in the corpse of Shannon Stewart uh, in spring training, just released him, even though he was an arbitration guy, paid the penalty and released him uh, because he was terrible in 2007. 2006, however. Four and a half win Reed Johnson in only like, eh, what is it, 134 games. Uh, now, granted, he was getting a favorable platoon situation. You know, he was uh, him and him and Frank Catalanato. A fantastic uh, platoon. Might might have to might have to just f- flush out the platoon and uh, and take to and take the cat as well. But uh, but no, Johnson three nineteen three ninety four uh, four seventy nine one twenty six weighted runs created plus played some real good defense. Uh, you know what? You can. I'll take that every day. I'll take that every day. Screw, screw Colby Rasmus and his 2013. Uh, that Johnson one is a weird season, and it's one I didn't write about in uh, in my recent bout of of remembering some guys. Um, wow, that is a so guy worth remembering. Reed Johnson. Yeah. Cool thing about Reed Johnson. He everybody had like a charity. I remember they used to donate money to charity if they hit a home run or something. He donated his money to the Toronto Humane Society. And also worth going back to look at that season because his 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 value was boosted because he got on base a lot. But he got on base a lot because he got hit by twenty one pitches. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that is right. Okay. Uh, Going still staying way off the oh I don't need to I don't even need to go that far off the board because I was gonna go like insanely off the board but I already have a third baseman so I don't need to like talk myself into a Scott Rowland season so I'm gonna draft man 2009 what's up I'm drafting 2009 Marco Scudero is what I'm doing very nice very nice uh yeah he was great that year he as, sure uh, was as as I recall as I've as I've looked through some of these kinds of numbers recently um. Yeah, much better than I than a lot of people will remember. Uh, it, that was like uh, a his, it was a four win year. He got not didn't hit for a ton of power. Got on a lot. Never struck out. Walked. He's just a really heads up ball player. It was funny. It, it, it felt like he was miscast as a shortstop because he wasn't super fancy and he he's like he has like old guy vibes even when he's out there and he wasn't old. He like seemed old, um, but he was uh, just a really good player. And then obviously uh, was really good winning the World Series a bunch of times. So bless bless Marco Scudero. All right, who do you got? Yeah, uh, I am going with another uh, uh, Marco. I'm going to go with Marco Estrada's 2015. Back you son of a bitch! Wow. All right. Uh, because yeah, that was uh, that was ridiculous. And that is, I wrote a little bit about that uh, so that I could avoid writing about one of the problematic closers uh, that you referred to. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week, I wrote a bit about how the 2015 team came together uh, and how it was insane that uh, mm-hmm. that they went into the season with like children as as their closer and like <laughs> nobody in the rotation they had a, like three, three guys and drew hutchison started on opening day uh oh my god <laughs> yeah no it's bonkers that like diana navarro was the opening day dh uh 
it's it's really it's staggering and and the whole time i don't think i said this in the piece but i definitely thought it the whole time writing it was like yeah i kind of think i understand maybe why mark shapiro was less impressed than fans were with the job that Antopolis did because it's like like you fuck how did like without estrada you know who started in the bullpen without him you know coming out of nowhere for the four and a half win season or at least four and a half wins by uh by the baseball reference version of war uh you know colabello the problematic closer mm-hmm. uh you know all all, all sorts of there, there are a few others that uh that are escaping me at the moment but yeah it's it, uh it is crazy that uh that that thing ever happened which i think is why as i said earlier it's uh, perhaps the more special of the two and in fact no doubt the more special of the two that's a fine pick. It's not as good as my pick now, which you have uh, inspired me, yeah. though I, I will take, I will give you some shine for it, which is to say that my pick is the 2015 David Price, who started 11 wow. times yeah. <laughs> for yeah. the Toronto Blue Jays and pitched like an absolute freak. He pitched to a 230 ERA, a, two point, a 222 FIP. He was worth uh, two and a half wins in 11 starts, which, uh, you know, that's like a seven and a half win season if you, if you, if he continues, which he, he wasn't gonna, no one's that good, not even David Price, but uh, awesome. He pitched amazing. The seemed like the chillest dude was like a like a great fit. Everyone loved him. Right there, can't go wrong. David Price, twenty fifteen. Yeah, should have should have brought him back. Really, probably. Uh, they should have. They should have tried to let him. Yeah, they should have <laughs> brought him back. They should have let them dump his his contract on the Blue Jays. But anyway, I mean, I would Indeed. be okay with that. Indeed. All right, you got a couple um, more. Okay. All right. I am going to go with. See, this is the this is the classic, the classic conundrum here. Uh, Ricky Romero's ERA was two ninety two in twenty eleven. Do I give him for? I think I have to take that, even though Fangraphs would say he was a win less than in twenty ten because mm. uh, he you know uh, didn't quite get the number of strikeouts, probably allowed more allowed allowed more home runs, etc. Uh, but you know you can't you can't take away what actually happened. And so I'm going to go with 2011 Ricky Romero, Ricky's Ricky's last hurrah before the knees fell apart and everything fell apart with them. A fine pick, a fine fine I selection. Yeah, uh, I've got too many pitchers, and I'm only going to draft more. I'm sure, so I'm going to force myself <laughs> to take. Okay, I'm going to do 2012 Encar- Encarnacion. Okay, 2012 Encarnacion, pick. which was uh, that was the first year that was supposed to be the fir- the year. Right, but um, he had forty-two home runs. That, well, twenty thirteen was the year with the trades. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, twenty twelve was when it, when Anthopoulos was like, "Oh shit, I have like a championship caliber middle of the order. I think this rebuild has to like let's move that up. We got to let's speed up the, the timeline line a little bit. Yeah, it, you could pick any really any uh, Encarnacion season. There were so many They're that are like same. right there, yeah. like one forty, one fifty, <laughs> weighted runs created plus thirty-five to forty-two home runs, stud. I'll go with with 2012, but it's like a legacy pick for Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah. He but is think- a guy who, you know, I the when that whole lawsuit thing came out, that's a, that's that's a, that's troubling. So I, it, it's taken the shine for. Oh, oh yeah, uh, I had forgotten that. That's kind of how yeah, these I things know. go, well, right? Fuck. Yeah, yeah. All right. It, it it really it really has always you know there's always a voice in the back of my head being like, mm-hmm. don't, don't be too celebratory of Edwin because that. Whatever, whatever happened there, I know it was dismissed in court, but yeah, I don't know. But uh, you, you know, not great. No, uh, though, I, though I also not a big Kendrys Morales fan either. So I kind of am like, I don't know if I would have minded if he stuck around. But mm. uh, but let's let's mm. let's leave the let's leave that to like the philosophy class. Uh, <laughs> I was also going to say, speaking of all well, this is this. Well, I, I have a piece that's coming out thursday so people hearing this will have seen it already potentially uh but i wrote a little bit about the the worst pitchers in jay's history which is you know the remembering some guys project um and chad godan chad godan he was back i i he was back in the organization in in vegas in 2011 but he uh, only played for the Jays in the big leagues in 2005. And I was like, wow, I thought it was way more recent than that, which I think was because of 2011. Chad is 36 years old currently <laughs> and current and currently for the last four years has been pitching in Mexico, still pitches. 
Good for him. And like the the last start that he made for the Blue Jays uh, was against the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, and the three, four, five hitters were, were Albert Pujols, Larry Walker, and Reggie Sanders. And this man is 36 years old and still <laughs> pitching. I'm like, how is that possible? That's it is funny. not possible. Larry's, and yet, it is Larry, true. Larry Walker would have retired, like, what, 15 years ago, right? He spent like 10 well, full years on the, on the ballot yeah. and five, five years after. Oh, that's crazy. All right. So did you mm-hmm. pick? Who, who did you pick? Uh, I didn't. Oh. I, I'm not picking Chad 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 2005, Chad <laughs> Um, I have to pick 2006 Vernon Wells. That's a good one. I that was on my radar. I'm glad you picked him though. Shout out to Vernon yeah, Wells. He deserves yeah, yeah. it. No, he was uh, un, you know underrated. I'm looking at you know underappreciated. I think in his time, the contract was uh, uh, was a bit of an anchor in terms of how fans would always view him. But uh, some really really great seasons. If he'd done it making five hundred thousand dollars, he'd be Reed Johnson, and yet he is not, and that is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to, man, I can't even, Josh Towers, there's no way. I got. I pick a 20, <laughs> I pick a 2017 Marcus Stroman, who uh, was a, great pick. Yep. a little bit better uh, in some ways, you know, like by ERA and stuff, he was way better than the year before. Uh, but that, it was just, uh, you know, he, that was his full healthy season, pitched really, really well. Uh, and I wanted to have some Mark Stroman. I guess I could have picked 2019 Marcus Stroman, but uh, that ended uh, in tears. So I will not mm-hmm. pick 2019 Marcus Stroman. I will pick 2017 Marcus Stroman. All right, here How you go. Last do, one. Do I, hmm? Last one. Okay, last one. I got. I got. I need a reliever. And so, uh, speaking of 2019, I'm going to go with 2019 Ken Giles. Not a bad pick. Not ridiculous. a bad pick at all. An absolute freak yeah. of nature. A totally complete monster. Love it. Yeah. Love it. He's so good. I hope they extend him. What the, what the fuck? Who cares? What does anything matter or, anymore? Yeah. He may, he may already be a free agent by the time the, the, you know, they ever play again. So oh, Jesus. it was great. He was great. That's a delightful thought. Um, well, now I don't know. I'm out of pocket here. I was like, like <laughs> I, I cannot bring myself to pick 20, uh, 2008 Alex Rios. I loved watching him. Yeah. I loved watching him play the outfield. He really just wasn't. He, it wasn't enough for me to like get there in terms of like my heart. I don't know. I'm struggling. Who am I going to pick? Am I going way at it? No, I can't do that either. All right, I'm going. No, man, man. The Blue Jays have got a, some dark history at second base. Let me tell you. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, they had yeah, they, they had a couple guys earlier in the decade that were or earlier in the 2000s. Orlando right? Hudson, definitely worse than you remember. Um, that's pretty much all I, that's, oh, God, this Play. sucks. I will, okay, I'm going to do it fine. I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm going to pick 2000 and, 2009. Adam Lind. Adam oh, Lind wow. was an absolute okay. monster in 2009. Uh, so, he, so was Aaron Hill. I thought you were going to go with Hill. I was, but then I can't. It's like I should have, but I don't know that I. I, I don't know. I'm one of the two. What the fuck is the difference? Yeah, and you know, I'll go 2009. Aaron Hill. He was good. Well, he, I, I, no, no, I, I don't know if that's that's not how this works. No, you're right. I'm not. I've, ch- I've changed my vote. It's neither of them. I am going. I'm going fucking full wild card. 2011 Brett Laurie. That is oh, my pick. Very nice. So yeah. he was uh, pretty spectacular. I don't care how many third basemen I have on my team. I want crazy ass Brett Laurie playing out of his mind in 140 oh. plate appearances. <laughs> when you only know one way to play and or be. Uh, it's easier to do it that way. So it ranks behind Scott Rowland's 2009 in terms of win, but uh, wins above replacement and all that sort of stuff. But Brett uh, Brett Laurie was so truly bonkers in 43 games. Had a 157 weighted rated, rated runs created plus, and he played amazing third base. And I just remember him being really like um, a lot of timely hits too. He really yes. uh, he hit a couple walk off home runs when he like just jumped out of the arena, like jumped out of the stadium, running down the base, uh, running down to, the, to touch home, home plate. Uh, so yeah, I'm going 2011. Brett Laurie. This has been a lot. Was, of, hmm? Sorry, no. Go it ahead. has. It has. I was just gonna say it's been, it, it was like peak the era, peak era of like you know, oh fuck, fuck your narratives and whatever, and, and like you know, you try to distill to whatever we can sort of objectively suss out. 
Uh, but also that guy's got a knack for the big hit. <laughs> like everybody <laughs> got super excited about it. Like he's just a ball player kind of stuff. Just it was all of it out the window. It's like he's gonna be amazing. It was also like peak. That was peak Anthopolis like jerk ball era. Like I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Bring in every piece oh, yeah. of shit you've got. I will sign them all. Um, but anyway, that was fun. That was fun, and I hope it didn't. It, it felt like it went pretty quick too. Sometimes I feel like these things can drag. No, it didn't. It did not go pretty quick. <laughs> I just flipped over yeah. to the app. It's good yeah. timing this thing. All right. So I think we have, in fact, gone on more than long enough. I think we should wrap it up. Uh, Stoughton, what have you got for the people on The Athletic this week? This week, I mentioned earlier that I had the uh, the piece on Maple Leaf Stadium, uh, which has got some great feedback and was really fun to do. There's a lot of like twists and turns and treachery and horrible uh you know, titans of, of mid-century Toronto in there. Uh, Jack Kent Cook, who owned the, the Washington NFL franchise, mm-hmm. and, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, and made his bones with the Toronto Maple Leafs and uh, the, the the baseball Maple Leafs. Uh, a central figure there. And, and Hall- Harold Ballard comes uh, comes up in it. Uh, Ted, uh, Ted Rogers comes up in it as, uh, as sort of a tangentially related to... Uh, to the sort of factions that uh, that prevented Cook from getting baseball in Toronto mm. uh, earlier in the fifties or the early sixties, uh, so you know, yeah, uh, the savior of uh, of Toronto baseball, Ted Rogers. Uh, you know, oddly, that might not exactly be true, but anyway, that that was a fun one. I hope people read that, uh, and then remembering some guys, you know, on Friday here when people will be listening to it. Uh, the worst Jays pitchers of all time. There's some really interesting stories in there. If I do say so myself, I didn't write the stories. I just you know relayed them. So I don't feel I'm I'm, I'm boasting about that. But there, <laughs> uh, I, I just sort of like like leave it to the gods of math. I'm like, well, who was the best on a you know per game basis or a per inning mm-hmm. basis or whatever? Uh, you know, uh, we'll see what we got. And there's just there were some some really interesting guys. I talked about Chad Godin. There's but there's there's uh, uh, there's uh, some other good stories, a Reggie Jackson story in there, and, uh, uh, a man who didn't get his pension and was pissed off about it, and, uh, all sorts of fun stuff. And then also terrible, terrible Victor, Victor Zambrano. Uh, spoiler oh. alert, Victor Zambrano shows up. Um, Tomo Oka. What, what a nightmare that season was. Uh, um, I, ha- I haven't read it, but yeah, and then yet. the other... And then yeah, so just remembering guys, basically. So you've yeah. got remembering guys, and according to, for this, this sounds this very interesting um, Maple Leaf uh, uh, Park story, the history of Toronto Blue Jays. It's more like a, a remembering some ghouls. So remembering some ghouls, remembering some guys. <laughs> right. And as I said, I haven't read your your this this uh, this worst pitcher story because it hasn't come out yet. But if it does not contain Joey Hamilton, I will not read it because. You you rely on the gods of math. I remember the 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 gods of spite and absolute disdain. And Joey Hamilton was that guy for me. I was one of those. I, you know, you know. I, uh, another spoiler. Uh, one, it does not. Uh, as, at least not as an official member of the list. Mm. But his terribleness does get mentioned in there, uh, because yeah, he like that was. That was one I just never understood from the start. It was sort of one of the first, even though I've been watching and paying attention to baseball for a long time, one of the first where I was really like, this makes me so angry. <laughs> Dave Hollins. Dave Hollins was the first one of those for me when Jip Fergosi was a manager and they brought in Dave Hollins. I was like, this is fucking cronyism. This is terrible. I was probably more just impressed that I knew what that word meant. You can't read those stories of Stoughton's if you don't subscribe. Well, that's not true. If you subscribe to The Athletic, that's the best way to be able to read everything that Stoughton writes and everything that Emma Spann, who we've mentioned on this podcast, edits and everything that's that's going on all the way around baseball and around the sporting world as there are some really inventive and creative and interesting stories coming out. The best way to do that is to go to theathletic.com slash birds all day. Subscribe, get 40% off, off you go. I believe is the is the 90-day free trial thing still going as well? As far as I know, as yeah. far as you know, so there's still there's a free 90 day trial if you want to check it out first. But again, go to theathletic.com/slash/birds-all-day. Subscribe, sorry, yeah, subscribe to the Athletic. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere they've got good podcasts. Anywhere they offer podcasts because they're a, an offering. Uh, because the, the Birds All Day is free for everyone. You don't even have to subscribe to the Athletic. I recommend you do, as I just did. If you don't, go to iTunes or the Apple Podcast Store, go to Spotify, go to Stitcher, go to Overcast, go to whatever it is, 
Search reports all day. Subscribe. If you want to hit us with a, with a rating and a like uh, or a five-star thing or a review even on Apple Podcasts, that apparently they say, and they still say, we've been saying it for fucking 10 years, helps out the show a lot. So do it if you can, if you feel so compelled. I want to say thank you to Jay Jaffe. I want to say thank you to you, Andrew Stoughton. It's always a pleasure. Indeed it is. In a, in a jovial mood, I think. I, I, you, you, the energy level is real high today. I'm enjoying it. Not that I don't always enjoy it, but we're having a good time. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. yeah in yeah, spite of it all. Okay. In spite of it all. Good I, to know. So hopefully good people are having a good time. Uh, and we hope you're being well and being safe and staying home. Sucks, but we got to do it. That's it. His name is Andrew. My name is Drew. We'll talk to you next week on Birds All Day. <laughs>